Welcome back to the More Than Punk podcast. I'm Seth Mackay and we are here for another week and God do I have an episode for you lined up. So, throughout this whole kind of apocalypse pandemic situation, Frank Turner has been doing these live shows. Uh, they've been streams, he's been playing songs into his phone on the internet for everyone to help raise money for independent venues. He did his last one Thursday just gone. It was Independent Venue Love 21. Now, on one of those, I think it was number 19, he had this band that you're listening to right now open up for him. They were a band that I hadn't heard of before, um, but they're signed to Extra Mile along with Frank Turner, and he worked with them on their debut album, Fractured Party Music, and so I was absolutely stoked to be able to get Johnny Marriott from Pet Needs on this week's show to talk about their journey as a band going from playing small rooms with 10-20 people to getting signed to Extra Mile and looking like they're going to be coming out of this pandemic on top of the world which is not something that a lot of bands can say it's incredibly impressive the amount of work hustle time that they have put in to getting this shit done we also talk a lot about the incredible laura jane grace from against me and also the cultural differences uh, between music when they talk about songs like this tracy emmons bed um, and that wonderful first line i see you with your marks and spencers i thought the punks went to iceland very uk reference there it's obviously iceland the supermarket not to over explain that to my UK listeners. So I'm super stoked to be hanging out with Johnny Marriott from Pet Needs on the More Than Punk podcast this week. And without further fucking around, here's the conversation in full. It's me and Johnny, More Than Punk, State of the End, and you can hear this track, Tracy Emmons Bed, in full. Hey, dude, how's it going? Hey, Seth, how's it going, man? I'm doing good, man. How are you doing? Yeah, not too bad. Sorry, sorry, I'm late. I've just uh, just finished a singing lesson that um, overran a little bit. No worries. I um, I mean, I wasn't going to go there, but yeah, let's talk about those vocals. I mean, shit, they need to be improved. <laughs> well, that's what I thought, you know. As I thought, I've been mainly shouting in tune for a long time, mm. um, but... Like Gent is so weird because we I did a um yeah I started singing lessons kind of maybe I don't know about four or five months ago and I yeah. said to um I said to the lady Alison I was like I kind of want to sound exactly the same but I don't want to hurt myself every single yeah. time and so she's taking me kind of like right back to basics and stuff and we were learning what were we learned about today we were learning about kind of like voiced and voiceless consonants and stuff like that and it's so weird because I've been um kind of like just playing in punk bands for years and years and years and years and never yeah. repairing just doing just doing what felt good you know um and kind of having your not being able to speak at an end of the gig kind of like that shows how punk you, you are properly you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's it but now we're kind of like now um proper kind of like touring and stuff on the cards it was like oh fuck I've, I've got to actually start like looking after this properly now um so it's been interesting she kind of like teaches um people that are in like the west end and stuff like that so mm -hmm. it's been it's kind of like 
if I've been like saying, like, I want to sound exactly the same. It's got, I want it to sound the same. I want it to sound kind of like broken and fractured and desperate and stuff like that. Um, and it's starting to get back to that now. Um, at the start, she was kind of like teaching me to sing or like, like she'd teach anyone to sing. So I can't do scales or anything like that. I never even yeah. tried that kind of thing. Um, so she, and I still can't really, my ear for scales and stuff's really bad. Um, but, uh, yeah, she started teaching me like kind of how to sing quote unquote properly. And now I've got to the point where I'm kind of getting good enough at that, that she's allowing me to now put my tone back onto it as well. Uh, so it's how interesting. I never thought I'd do, but something, yeah, something's positive to do during lockdown, I suppose. This is the only time that I've not gigged for like a year or something like that. So uh, yeah, it's a, yeah, something to do, you know? It's it's a it's a weird one. Like it's, it just kind of feels like living in some weird kind of purgatory. How does it feel doing singing lessons? I mean, we don't really talk about this as like a scene. You know, there's an mm. interview with um, the singer from Seether where he talks about how like he gave up smoking and then blew his voice out and then so he started smoking again because apparently it created some kind of like mucus or whatever over his voice that protected yeah. his voice. So it was like a trade off there. It was like lung cancer and death or you know, no money in touring, <laughs> life right? Life will be fun along the way, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, is it does it kind of change the way you think about, you know, your instrument, I suppose, your your way of thinking? Oh, 100%, like absolutely, completely. I don't know if it's going to change the way, because at the moment, it, it definitely changed the way when we had that little bit, and we're not, uh, even though legally we could, we're not, like, ethically don't want to ban practice at the moment. Yeah. However, there was a little bit between the two lockdowns where things were opening up, because, um kind of like recording studios and stuff have kind of stayed open throughout. Um, but there was a time where we met up for a couple of band practices and I was so like hyper aware of kind of like how we're standing and breathing and the tone. And if like there's these things called glottal onsets where like you're kind of going up, up like that kind of sound and about how like you kind of like make sure you do it in a way that's healthy. And then like, if you want to add that kind of raspiness on afterwards, you can and all that kind of stuff. Um, and it made me super like hyper aware in practice, but I think as soon as we get into a sweaty little punk venue, like yeah. with a hundred people and sweat dripping from the roof and stuff like that, I can't imagine me going, am I breathing correctly in this song? <laughs> I think yeah. it's just, <laughs> yeah. I just going to be the excitement takes over, man, you know, and I just can't wait for that day. Like, um, not like lockdown number one was it kind of almost felt a little bit novel and we've I was like oh, yeah. and stuff like that um number two kind of passed me by I think it's so quick um but this this one is such a slug like it's impacting so much on like kind of like my mental health and motivation and creativity and stuff like that it's a uh, super shit so uh yeah things like singing lessons are good to give me that focus and it's mm. weird but kids ever spoken to me about it even up to six months ago um i'd have never even thought about it i thought like i hit the notes and i don't gig enough for it to be an issue if i tear my vocals one saturday night then the next gig's not till like two or three days or even a week later so mm. i've got kind of like recovery time whereas now we want to yeah we just want to step up and just do it as pro as possible you know what, what's changed for you like i mean obviously you've got the new record um fractured party music coming out in march which you know we'll talk a little bit about but if you haven't listened to this podcast it's mostly just tangents um 
but you know you've got that you're on extra mile now obviously frank um you know mixed it mastered it all that sort of thing but for you was there a point in there where you were like okay we're going up we're we're gonna you know like once the apocalypse is over yeah. and we're all now mad max vehicles and all that kind of shit we were like we're gonna play thunderdome you know and <laughs> and, and i have to start taking this seriously like was there a, an obvious shift for you or did it just seem like a natural thing that you'd have to do eventually i think that yeah get get getting the label was the obvious shift and when yeah it was just the way they because we like frank came on board uh to mix and master and stuff like that. and at the start he just wanted to do one tune because he was just kind of like learning how to mix and stuff like that um and we we're like yeah cool definitely go for it and then we we're uh, thinking do you reckon because who could... says no to frank turner right yeah well yeah yeah there you go uh, well we were actually our we were thinking yeah, that. Who says no to Frank Turner? And then our next thought were, oh, f what if he, what if he can't do it? Like, what if he shit it? Because I hadn't heard anything mm. at the time. And the way that he kind of like approached it was, look, I'm just kind of like new to this, and I'm like, I'm just trying to like try it out and stuff like that. Um, I'd like to give one of your tunes a go. And we thought, look, we'll we'll do it. And even if um, nothing comes of it, and if it comes back terrible. Um, it'd be a cool bootleg or something to like that to have. He said we could do what we want afterwards. Um, he sent the tune back, and it was like it was it, it was just brilliant. It, it, he understood. I mean, he he was already a fan from seeing us live at Camden Rocks, but he understood the sound of it and stuff like that. And he just understood that kind of like desperation in the music as well, and the fact that he had big bits of big singalongs and stuff, but had those kind of parts where you feel like you're just kind of clinging on by your fingernails, kind of thing, mm. and. And so, like, we then thought, oh, we'll try and persuade him to do an EP with us and we'll do all the songs. It was a song called Sympathetic Accent Syndrome, which isn't out yet, but it was all the songs that are kind of like that, all the kind of like more kind of like straight punk songs, I suppose. Um, we were going to persuade him to do, well, try and persuade him to do a little EP, like a punk EP that we'd kind of like sling at shows and stuff, like might even kind of like handmade the covers and stuff like that, keep it really DIY. Um, and then... As I was kind of constructing that email to him, he was constructing one back to me, kind of like pitching nice. to actually be the like guy that mixed and mastered the whole album, which was awesome. Um, but then it wasn't until uh, it was actually it wasn't even it was kind of uh, it was after we got signed and then we saw the way that they were talking about us um, was kind of like they were they were talking about us like we were kind of professional if you know what i mean yeah. and like until then we um kind of had considered it's like me and my little brother that made like that uh set the band up and we just considered just being kind of like brothers and just mates just doing it just purely for adventure and stuff like that and then suddenly you're like oh like they're sinking money into this and they're like they're talking about us as if we're professionals oh god and it's suddenly that kind of like real massive imposter syndrome at the start mm. and like me and my brother were sitting there going are we are we, are we good enough for this and then i was like oh for, all right, i'm getting single lessons i'm getting single lessons <laughs> it kind of yeah just kind of built from there um yeah, it's a point now where we're kind of feeling a little bit more confident in ourselves and stuff like that but like said the thing is that we were it's so weird because the world shut down and we haven't been playing any gigs and we've like we've been going about four years and it's that thing where every year you take a little bit of a step up or something mm. like that. But we were still playing like small rooms and stuff like that. 
and now we're kind of like they've we've been set up with um someone that kind of like does our like well who's going to do like our international touring schedule and stuff like that and i'm like mental like it's it's bizarre because it's and then we're kind of talking about well which bands would you like to support if you could and stuff like that and it's like it's like the fucking it's like it's i keep swinging from being incredibly excited to like (laughs) being really anxious about it and overwhelmed by and then also kind of not believing that it's gonna happen you know not in a i can't believe it but like you know i genuinely don't believe this ha- is going to happen. But then one of the things we did the other day was a live stream opening for Frank. Um, and it was really nice to then get out to people who didn't know us and see that people liked it, which was good. Cause it we're was, still- it was good. I mean, look, it's, it always sounds like I'm brown nosing when I have someone on the podcast <laughs> and I'm like, Hey man, I really like your music. Cause you know, I just talk to people whose music I like, like, I, you know, that's mm. kind of my prerogative, but it was cool. I didn't know who you guys were before then. And you came on, played a couple of like acoustic songs and stuff. And I was like, this is sick. And then obviously I tweeted at you, right? And I was like, I wonder if they'll yeah, say yeah. yes. And then like literally three days later, the email comes in about um, Tracy Emmons bed. And I was like, fucking serendipitous. But yeah, I mean, it was, it was awesome. And like, what a cool thing to do to jump onto a live stream to like grow an audience during a time where everyone's like, how the fuck do we do that? You know? That's it. Yeah. And it was a bit of a, oh, firstly, thank you so much. That, like, oh. yeah, that means, that means the world that you watched and you, like, you enjoyed it. Um, I, we were kind of like really nervous. It was nice to feel nervous because we hadn't felt nervous for a long time, but it's, uh, well, not that kind of nerves anyway, not the kind of like pre-show nerves and stuff, but um, everyone was so lovely. Everyone was really nice. And it kind of feels like we've kind of, affirmed ourselves a little bit more now and we've kind of like built that confidence and stuff because honestly like the last gig that we played before lockdown we played in front of about 30 people in Ipswich and we kind of all turned to each other and went yeah it's quite a good turnout for an out of town show yeah. that was 30 people in Ipswich that was really good um, and then we like sat, like then did nothing and then played in front of like 1600 via an iPhone <laughs> like, yeah. it's, it's, it's bizarre but it's um yeah really kind of like grateful for what what's happened as well which is cool um must, and it's a, be, sorry yeah I was, I was gonna say like bands like frank and against me and a lot of the other bands on the label but like um people that you've had on here actually um, i listened to the ben marwood one the, the other day um like people like i said people i've grown up listening to um especially that like ben marwood album is one of the best that was such a trip having him on the podcast man that's amazing. Yeah. He, he's the nicest man in the world as well, isn't he? He's just yeah. so he's just so nice and like yeah, incredibly humble and just one of the best songwriters in like ever. Like he's he's just yeah, he's incredible. But um yeah, it's amazing to have all the people that I've kind of like been turning to for inspiration and for just entertainment and stuff like that. Um kind of uh they're kind of like um, some of them like working with some of them or not kind of like sharing a record label with them and stuff like that um, is, yeah, it's cool. It's overwhelming, man. But it's, uh, yeah, it's cool. And doing stuff like this as well is really cool. Like, um, it's still something that I'm not massively used to. I've been doing a few interviews <laughs> scenes and radio and stuff like that. And it's like, it's a, people interested in this? I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's my, it's partly my job to make it interesting, right? One of the funny thing is, um, 
I've had two or three guys like in a row and it's been their first ever podcast and they, they mm. sort of come on and it's like, what do we do? And that's, and it, look, it's, it's my job as a guy in air quotes for people that are listening to this, not watching it, um, to, to make it interesting. Right. And to make you guys feel like comfortable enough that the, that the good shit comes out, but yeah, you definitely get times where like you're chatting with a band and you can, it's, it's kind of palpable, right? The guy's like, he's woken up at eight in the morning because of the time difference or whatever. And it's his first podcast. And he's like, what do I talk about? And because we are all so used to just talking about hanging out at shows, you know, mm -hmm. like when I was doing this a few years ago, I would call bands when they were on tour and they'd be on the bus and they'd be, and that's what you would talk about. Right. And at the moment, everyone's like, fucking, so I've just been hanging out at home and we're all like, let's spin <laughs> yeah. that into a yarn. But I think the, the, the thing that strikes me with you guys though, which might be kind of weird and like, an, as an experience thing is that you'll, you'll go from playing to 30 people to bigger rooms when this is all over. Right. Like mm -hmm. I made the Thunderdome joke earlier and I'm quite set on the Mad Max thing. Like if that doesn't happen, I'm going to be fucking disappointed, but, but it will eventually kind of grow, especially with label support and you know, the record mm -hmm. and all that kind of thing. I mean, that must be a fucking trip to think you kind of take a year off and you come back and it'll be, you know, maybe like a hundred cap or 200 cap or whatever, you know, mm -hmm. or more depending well, yeah. on who you support. Well, that's it. Like it's, it's, uh, it's yeah. Uh, yeah. It's <laughs> it's exciting, but slightly terrifying as well. But I think it's something that we've always wanted to do. And it looks yeah. like, like, um, Frank's the one who keeps threatening in interviews and stuff like that to take us out, <laughs> which will be, um, amazing because the scene that he's built around himself is just lovely people. So yeah. that'd be really cool. And, to be honest, it's really weird because when you kind of like, I'm closing my eyes and thinking of the pandemic being over and stuff like that, I'm not thinking, oh, it'd be amazing if we could walk out at Alexandra Palace or something like that. I'm thinking about our local venue called Coda, which is just a sticky floored punk venue and just our mates being there and stuff like that. Yeah. And that's the thing where I'm going, I've, maybe because it's something that I've experienced and I've never experienced playing like the huge rooms, but that's the thing that I miss at the moment when I'm thinking about shows is like, I just want to get back in punk venues. I saw hundred um, percent, man. Who was it? I saw Pop play um, in. I think it's the Fighting Cox in Kingston, which is like a hundred and fifty cap venue. And it's that for me. Um, that's it's, it's where all the energy is. If you get to yeah. come see people, and I've seen like against me in tiny venues and seen like Frank in little venues and stuff like that. And but like the big venues are going to be amazing, but I can't. Again, not in a, oh, I can't believe it. I literally can't visualise that happening because I don't really have a point of reference in the same way. Whereas mm. I've played hundreds, if not thousands of tiny little kind of like punk venues um, and love it. And that's where I, that's the kind of thing, that's where I want to be. That's what I'm missing at the moment. But also walking out onto big stages and playing with some of my favourite acts is going to be amazing as well. Yeah. It's just hard, hard to conceive, you know. Yeah, man, there's nothing like that small venue thing. I remember, like, because I, I came up here from um, New Zealand, and so we would have yeah. bands that would play small shows, even if they're big bands. Like, the first few times Frank played, it was to, like, 200 people, you know? And I remember, nice. I don't know if you're familiar, but um, Let Live, they came and played, yeah. and they played this place called the King's Arms, and it was, like, 200 cap, and it was just, like, this unbelievable energy that you you couldn't get at a festival, you know? Like, he's, like, climbing up to the rafters, which is fine, but, like, the rafters are only, like, 12 feet high, you know what I mean? Like, he's still literally right there. It's, like, nice. you, you just can't replicate that in a and it's obviously good for bands and you guys to play big shows, but there's just nothing beats that club feel, man.
that's it. It's so fucking much. Yeah. Oh man, so do I, man. And that's the thing as well. When I'm thinking about these things, I'm thinking about like one playing shows, but just being in the audience again as well. Yeah. So like, um, like my wife Lorna and I kind of like had a habit. We did it a couple of times anyway of looking at where our favorite bands are going to be in Europe and like going like we went to see Against Me in Lisbon in Portugal. Um, and it turns out that kind of like punk music isn't massive there. So they were playing like a hundred cap venue and there's probably about kind of like 60 people there. And all of those 60 people called punk music isn't kind of like massive had had to travel kind of like miles and miles and miles and miles to get there. So every single one in that room was like the biggest fan of Against Me that I'd ever met. It wasn't just like, oh, they're on around the corner. I'll pop down. Yeah. They make a made a full on commitment to go. Um, and it was just one of the most, it was one of those things where like the sound was shit and there was like beer spilled all over the floor <laughs> yeah. and stuff like that. And it was just like, it was the best. It was the best. And like Against Me were playing on a kind of like stage that was kind of like maybe one foot, two foot off the ground and stuff like that. So it's probably like just singing in your face. And it was incredible. And then that was the um, the next day was when Laura Jane Grace released that um, song with Miley Cyrus. And it's like, mm. so, it's so interesting how you can be huge somewhere or already be massive in the media somewhere and stuff like that. But then it's so refreshing when you can go somewhere and just just feel part of something that feels really small and punk again as well. I think that's so cool. I, I would genuinely lose my shit if I got an email. I was like, hey, Laura Jane Grace wants to be on your podcast. Like, I mean, it wouldn't happen that way. It would be a pitch thing, but still, I mean, like, man, I would lose my fucking shit if that happened. That would be the most incredible. Sure. Thing. So, who 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 pitched you for um, us? It might be through the same. They might have the same kind of PR people. Yeah, it'll like be that. it'll you be might... Tom, right? Yeah, yeah. Either reach yeah. out through him or reach out through Extra Mile because I think it's like the palpitations, man. man. Oh no, yeah. <laughs> I, it would be incredible. Like, she's just one of the best. I mean, she's just an amazing human, you know? Like, yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Have you, yeah, she, have you read her book? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've got oh, it. It's, it's, oh, no. I haven't got it. I gave it to my mum. Okay. So I, I did a thing with my mum where we said, right, I can't remember which book that's awful. She gave me a book to read. And I was, she said, I want to read something that, like, I, I want to learn about the kind of things that like kind of like you're into and stuff like that, but something to be really interesting. And she's yeah. not into kind of like heavy music tour or anything, but I was like, right, I'll, I'll give you this. Cause this is just an amazing story as well. It's, it's so interesting. Um, and that's um, kind of, I found it really interesting kind of like learning about kind of like um, transgender and stuff like that through um, Laura. Cause mm. I, I was, um, Kind of like listening to them when like she like she was known as um tom i've got to be really careful because i don't know if you can i think she like refers to herself but i was known as tom there i know that um trans people don't like to use their old um old names and pronouns and stuff like that but it was really interesting to learn about the kind of like struggles but also the liberation of going through kind of like um like transitioning um which was really cool and like um i uh like in my day job work at a university now um and we have loads of trans students and it's through laura um and through kind of like being open-minded and speaking to other people as well but mainly through her that i was kind of introduced properly uh yeah, I that, yeah. but i think what's amazing is that um i cannot remember which song it is now but it's on searching for a form of clarity where she sings like um 
if I, I'm going to misquote this terribly, but like, it's kind of like, um, if I would have chosen, I would have been born a woman. My mother would have called me Laura or something like that. And it's amazing how she was being so direct in her, um, in her lyrics back then, but people were just thinking it was kind of like artistic or something like, and it's, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, she's an incredible, incredible person, fantastic musician. And they're just so good live as well. They're so good. Amazing. And I think the thing too, like, because I remember reading the book and then going back through the the catalog, sort of the same as you and, and I guess a lot of people, and then kind of understanding like how direct, you know, things were, right? But I think mm. with music, like as listeners were so fucking self-absorbed in and what we're listening to and thinking about like how it's all about us and how it relates to us that you just miss. I, I don't want to say you miss shit because yeah. sometimes you just willfully don't see stuff. You know what I mean? Like I'm too busy thinking about like what this against me song like means to me to even kind of think about what Laura's thinking about when she's writing it. Yeah. That's so interesting. That's the thing like, um, I like with my words when I'm writing, I take a lot of time over them. I'm really proud of them and stuff like that. But the rest of the band can never, they, they never know the lyrics <laughs> to the songs at all. They can remember all the chords and stuff like that. And they're like, oh, this bit's got a really good hook or we like the melody of this. There's certain lyrics that will pop out to them. But yeah, they're, they're the same where they don't like to them. I suppose I concentrate on something as well. It's just all about the music. Um, but for me, it's always, always been about words. But like, I know, I know what you mean. It's always my, as a listener, it'll be my own projection onto the words as well because i love like um it's not punk at all um that's why this I'm... that's why this is called more than punk because i didn't want to like fucking box in so let's talk oh, about nice, Ta- cool. like let's talk about taylor swift like what's the most unpunk <laughs> thing i mean i fucking love taylor <laughs> well, swift so you know this is a good podcast for me to talk them because then one of my favorite artists ever is the streets mm-hmm. and it's a way that um he can just not the music as such though i do like i like the music as a kind of like extension of the words but the way that um, he can tell stories and the kind of like, and he just has some amazing lyrics where it's like, oh, fuck, I wish I'd written that. Like, it's just so, and the way that he can describe, he never says how anybody's feeling in a song. And he got this from old country songs. Like, he never goes, I feel sad or I feel this mm. person feels like this. He just describes what they're doing. And then you project on kind of what we were saying, you project the emotion onto it by how vivid his description is and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, words excite me so much. But then my brother, who does all the arrangements for the songs, um, is just excited by music completely. Words don't mean hardly anything to him, really. And then he's just like, he just gets so excited by music, which is why it's um, really fun writing together. Yeah, the, the thing that you learn as an interviewer quite quickly is that when you're asking bands like what does this song mean like if you're asking someone like greg from dillinger escape plan or you know like a day to remember who it is they get real fucked off real quick and and that's not that's not because they're not great guys right they're wonderful guys it's just they get that question all the time you know they're like it doesn't really matter what it's about and so i think for me at least that's part of the projection thing right is like I learned like years ago from, you know, getting the shit kicked out of me metaphorically, not to mm. ask that question. And so like, I'll never be to you like, oh, like what's, you know, there's a, that line in um, Tracy Emmons bed. I'm going to misquote it, which is embarrassing, mm. but you talk about That's how it's like created, but your, your mind's creative, but mostly a mess or something. And I'm yeah. like, all of a sudden I'm like, I know what that means to me. Right. Because I've been feeling the same way about this lockdown 
as you have and outside of this i've been trying to be like creative and productive and sometimes i have these sparks and at times i feel like a complete fucking train wreck and so like i've taken that and i'm like if i ask you that you might be like oh yeah i was having a shit one day and i realized that these two lines rhymed <laughs> and, and then it's just gone forever you know what i mean like then yeah, it just, yeah, yeah. that song becomes about you taking a shit and i don't want to know that that's it's, it we, we have a thing. song um yeah that's exactly it is about what people take away from it i think so we had a song um a few years ago um it's on our first ep called woods and um the kind of like main line of it or the chorus was um take yourself down to the woods and pretend oh, i fucking you... love that song yeah oh, oh thanks man um and it was kind of at the time it was kind of a like the verses kind of ex explain it or i, I thought it did as uh, uh, anyway um about it's it's kind of um it is like the context that we're not really free, but like kind of like pretending to and all this kind of stuff or whatever. And it's almost like a kind of tongue in cheek lyric. Or oh, I, I saw it as that. And then we had a kid, quite quite a young kid that came up to us at a show. Um, can't remember when, but it's his second time. And he asked me for the exact kind of like line because he wanted to get it tattooed. And he said, because he grew up in a little village near some woods and um, always used to go kind of like down to the woods and it kind of reminds him of that. And I kind of did it, and then we were kind of like in the bus on the way home. Uh, and I was like, is that because, oh, so I'm just going to, I think I'm, something's peeing up on my thing. No so I've just got to cross off. Of something. Oh, Christ, that's going to ping forever. There we go. Uh, back in. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of, um, yeah, in on the bus on the way home, and I was thinking, do I want him to get words tattooed where my initial meaning was different to the meanings he's taken from it and stuff like mm -hmm. that? But, it's exactly what you said is and I, I don't know if he ever got the tattoo either to be honest so like i never I never saw him again um but um like if he has got it and I, even if, he, he's got if he it, has got it he needs to tweet you if he hears this yeah yeah 100 percent. i want to see a picture of it because it's quite cool like yeah it's uh like i just think it's so cool because it made if anything it changed the meaning of the song for me as well like it kind of like it's kind of like twisted it for something that was kind of almost tongue in cheek to like seeing that someone how like embracing it literally and taking something joyous from it was re really cool. Uh, so yeah, I think that um, lyrics are really important, but it's definitely not just one person with a kind of like megaphone shouting their own opinions. It's definitely hundred percent open for interpretation. How, how I'm someone that has um, like music tattoos, right? I've got a few of them how weird was it for you when this kid was like, Hey, that thing you wrote, I want to get it tattooed. Like, cause if someone said that, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm a fucking podcast chatter. Like I'm not going to come up with something that someone goes, I want that on my body forever. But I imagine if that happened, I would freak the fuck out. Like, is it, it must've been weird. Uh, yeah. Bizarre. And I don't know if he ever, yeah. I don't know if he got it or not, but I'm like, it was, it's a commitment, right? <laughs> it is, it is a commitment, but it'd be, yeah, I, I hope he did. But then our own, um, uh, there's a guy called Rusty who kind of like drives our bus and sells our merch and stuff like that. And he got a, um, a tattoo of our logo that had like a bird on it and stuff like that. And then as soon as we got um, kind of signed with Extra Mile, they sat us down with a graphic designer and stuff. They've changed the logo and he was like, for fuck's sake. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I think it's nice. I think like, that is a kind of like a, a moment in time, right? But like he's, yeah, he's now got our old logo tattooed on him. But I think that shows that he was there from the start, man. Yeah, like he he's, was he's a real pet needs groupie. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's it. That's it. hundred um, percent. You're up in Edinburgh, aren't you? Yeah, I am. And it snowed oh. today, which was super exciting for me. Oh, beautiful. I said, I am work for a students union and one and one of my jobs um a couple of years ago we have all our drama students that go up to the edinburgh fringe and they can like do the fringe and stuff like that and then i had to drive the minibus um like all the way up from colchester in essex something like a nine ten hour drive and i stayed there for a couple of days and then at the end of their shows i had to kind of like back this minibus up kind of little alleys and stuff like that they unloaded all their not even themselves they flew but it's um unloaded all their props into it and stuff like that um but um that bit was very stressful because i hadn't driven a bus uh, that amount of time before um but i got to see the fringe kind of like very fleetingly i had one full day there so i kind of got there on the friday and then i was picking everyone up on the sunday but i had the whole saturday where i could go out have some beers and stuff like that and like Mm -hmm. go see um and go see edinburgh as well and it's just it looks like a beautiful city. It looks absolutely cool. I love the fact it's all like kind of on those different levels as well and stuff yeah. like that. Like, and it's, oh, yeah, very lucky to live there. And it looks, yeah, it looks gorgeous. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's such a cool place. The 2020 Fringe was supposed to be my first one, but obviously Apocalypse. But like, ju- even just seeing the city now when when there's nothing going on, and I, I, and mm. I geek out about this constantly. It's like you just walk around and you can just kind of feel it. Like it's got its own kind of yeah. vibe and personality like no other city that I've been in. I just, yeah, I fucking love it, man. It's such I think a great it'd be place. really... Oh, it's so beautiful and it's something that i was kind of contemplating before but like i think i think it'd be an interesting thing for more bands to go do the fringe because mm. there's something i know pussy i think it's like this year or the year before whenever i went up no no it won't be last year there was a global pandemic that year maybe the, <laughs> whenever i went um pussy riot did a residency there and then i know there's a guy called b dolan who's like a kind of like storytelling kind of rapping kind of guy who did a residency there. And I think there's something really interesting about kind of like going out and like obviously comedians do it and actors do it and stuff like that, but going out and kind of like flowering your own shows and just getting, sometimes you'll play to two people, sometimes you might play to 50, but kind of like doing something in that way where you have like kind of a captive audience there, but it's just completely new people that Mm. used to be like the most open-minded people going because they're there because they just want to see something new. And it's, I think it's interesting how music, apart from the, the odd couple of acts, haven't kind of tried that out yet. I mean, it, it could be a mortifying experience as well. I know like like comedians have been up there and played to like one person and stuff like that. It's definitely, you're definitely rolling the dice and you're taking a risk, but I think it'd be something to be really interesting to do. And what I really like about The Fringe is that idea that it is that kind of like, it's like a magical, beautiful Groundhog Day where mm-hmm. everybody's the same time every single day and it's like almost one of those kind of like choose your own adventure books where you're going right this time i'm gonna do this with my day and go this place and this and this but um oh it's a beautiful place i'm definitely if we don't if i don't find a way to play it which i don't i haven't given much more thought apart from having the initial thought when when i was there and talking about it now they're the two times i've thought about it this is but, it's on the record now johnny like this is it needs place the fringe it's gonna happen fringe. All yeah. six weeks, and the rest of the band are going to absolutely fucking hate me <laughs> <laughs> because we're going to play to two people every day for six weeks. Um, yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll definitely get up there again in, in one way or another. Maybe just as a fan because, like, it's just a 
cool place and it's a cool i love like comedy and stuff like that and like it's spoken word stuff and like yeah I, I, well from loving lyrics and stuff really as well it's kind of like similar like um definitely get out there again so how come you move there Oh, well, it's this whole thing where, like, I just kind of, um, dis- I'd, for ages I'd wanted to. I'd kind of always just felt this a spiritual connection, such a fucking wanky thing for me to say. Jesus Christ. Um, but I'd always, I'd always <laughs> felt like it was this thing I just really wanted to do, right? And I'd never been. And then um, the, year, the year before I moved up, only by, like, a matter of months, I spent a month in the U.S. Um, in Seattle, and I was like, there was some cool stuff in Seattle. I don't know if, we, if you've been. It's mostly nice. shit if I'm being honest, like, it's just kind of an American city and it's hot and yeah. there's angry people. And it's like, it's just not great. Um, and so basically I was coming to the end of my trip there and it, and it costs, like you can imagine coming up from New Zealand to Seattle costs a fuckload, right? Before exchange mm. rates and all that kind of shit. And I realized I'd burnt all of this money on this experience. And I was like, fuck it. You know what? I'm moving to Edinburgh. That's it. That's it. I'm just, I'm done. And so I basically got home that like September and booked the tickets for that February. And, and that was it. I quit my job and I was just like, fucking come hell or high water. And I, it's a 30 hour flight up here. Right. And, um, oh. I know you're talking about that nine hour drive. I was like, Oh man, <laughs> I've got news for you, buddy. And so it was like 30 hours up here and I got out uh, like off the plane and like, I'm gross. Cause I haven't showered and I haven't slept in like mm. 30 hours. Right. Oh wow. And that in a typical Edinburgh, I get off the plane, it's like minus two degrees and it's pissing down and I'm in like a t-shirt and some fucking Lululemon joggers because I was trying to be playing comfy and I was so ready to yeah. go home. <laughs> it's just wow. like, this is too hard. But yeah, I mean, it's, you know, once you get past that like initial drive from the airport, I think it's, it's mm. quite a nice city. But I think every city shit when you're driving from the airport, right? Because airports Yeah. Are, oh, yeah, like, yeah, you know? 100%. That's so cool. You yeah, such it just, that's it. That's, I think that's what life's about. It's about just taking totally, people. Totally, man. I, I don't want to be the guy that's like sitting at the pub and being like, oh, yeah, I thought about doing it, but then I didn't. Because yeah, like, that's, that's fucking it. boring, you know? Yeah, 100%. 100%. And that's kind of like where um, life changed for my brother in a way, because like, he was from the um, Derby in the Midlands, um, and I'd moved, I'd moved down to Colchester a few years ago. We used to be in a... Um, kind of and this is what 10 years ago now but we used to be when we were kids that were teenagers um in like ratty punk bands called blow up doll and we wanted to be like x-ray specs kind of vibe kind of like just shouty old school we used to play with kind of like the uk subs and vice squad and all the kind of like real kind of like like old school british punk bands um and then i left i went to union norwich and ended up down in essex and colchester and he kind of like continued to stay uh in Derby and he was uh, working at a uh, um, like an overnight garage kind of thing and stuff like that and life had just got into that kind of routine yeah and it was a day where he just quit he just uh, he just quit his job and said he was going to come down and like sleep on my sofa and he's going to live in Essex now um, and then he did and then that's when uh, we started well we formed the band as well we kind of like the band kind of fell into formation as well we had no intention of doing it but then he was in my flat i was in my flat and we both had guitars and it was like it's going to kind of inevitably happen at some point yeah, yeah it's all about taking those leaps sure like, the worst thing that can happen is it's awful and then you end up with a brilliant story and you'd rather totally. be the guy up going i was like i did move to edinburgh and it was shit and here's my story 
from it yeah. than going, oh, yeah, I almost did that, but then just didn't, yeah, you know. So, like, yeah, definitely. And Edinburgh's and, the best place you're going to move somewhere. Edinburgh's a beautiful to- place. Totally. And, and that's the thing, like, no complaints. But it's like we were talking about tattoos before. And one of the things that no one tells you about tattoos is one of the similar things that no one tells you about, like, when you're moving country, right? Obviously, it's kind of, like, feels intense and stressful. But after a while, mm. tattoos are like freckles. You just stop fucking noticing them you know yeah yeah, yeah like, oh, it's such a it's such a big commitment and you're like after like three years you're just like oh yeah i forgot about that like and and yeah. moving's kind of the same you can just pack your shit up and go home if you have to you know like yeah. it's there's always a, a kind of i don't want to say like a way out but it, it essentially is um I, i've been trying to form this question for a while because i want to talk to you about lyrics and, and all that sort of stuff but without you know destroying my whole thing about lyrics that i said like 20 minutes <laughs> yeah, ago yeah. So here's one for you. What's on your reading list? What's the kind of shit that gets you thinking that like, this is how I want to write. This is the stuff I want to get across. Cause you've got some great, fantastically cynical stuff, you know, like <laughs> sort of um, the targeted advertising and, and all of that sort of shit, you know, like when I listen to that, I'm like, I'm reminded of um, that song, a plea from a cat named virtue, you know, like it's just that, mm. like there's lyrics and there's kind of storytelling, you know? Yeah. Well, actually that, um, that one was genuinely a true story where for some reason there's a there's a clothing label called Hobo Jack. Don't know if you know it, but there's it's like they they started out quite small and they were doing clothes that was relatively cheap, but they had kind of like cool tattoo designs on them and stuff like that. And my brother George and Rich um kind of both like like really liked the clothes. And because they kept buying those buying those clothes or at least looking them online and I was their friend and like similar stuff to what they liked I was being aggressively targeted marketed like all of these <laughs> all of these clothes um and then at the same time I was kind of like um like I was kind of like uh, struggling a little bit mentally and stuff like that but which has which has been on and off for years um but I'm in a position now where I can realize it and recognize it and go right this is what I'm going to do and um one of the things that I um decided to do um after actually listening to a comedian um on a podcast kind of like chat about it it didn't work but a good song came from it whereas um there's loads of videos online of kind of like um like motivation videos and yeah, stuff like i've been that. so far down that rabbit hole yeah. <laughs> yeah cool 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 so i had a i've literally had a um i was watching a um motivational video of um yeah, of someone telling me that I'm in charge of my own destiny, going, you can do it, you're in charge of you, you're in charge of your own destiny, kind of thing. And then I had this targeted advert just kind of like pop up at the side, um, going, buy this stuff that's kind of like based on your search history, kind of saying, it's like, oh God, like none of us are in charge of anything. Uh, so I don't know, like I put on um, outside of uh, like uh, music, I put on events for a living as well. So it's kind of like the back, I've got background in like marketing events and stuff like that. So I think there's a bit of a theme about uh, kind of like that, I suppose. But I don't know. Um, I really like in like, I like um, Stuart Lee, the comedian. I think he's absolutely fantastic. And I think his approach to stuff is amazing. I just love loads of comedy, actually. I think James Acast is amazing. And like mm. um, uh, Charlie Brooker, I think is fantastic. So, and then I just always if i listen to a song and there's a lyric in it 
which I'm gonna like um, like quote against me again. I sound like such a such a fanboy. Hey, but, we're, uh, we're allowed to be fanboys on this podcast. <laughs> good, good, good. But um, oh, I bet I'm gonna misquote her again. Um, but there is um, a lyric where she said uh, it just she just opens a song with like um, I, I think it's this. I'm gonna misquote it definitely, but it's something like I feel like I need to fall down some stairs or something like that. And it was just like, oh my god, that's fuck it. It just like it that tells so much so so quickly, and it's like oh amazing. But then she, what's amazing about Laura's lyrics as well is that so few of them rhyme, which mm. is amazing. It's just kind of like like she just writes and writes and writes and writes and writes, and the melodies are so strong that they there's so many that just don't rhyme. And I think oh, I think that's amazing. So yeah, I think that's kind of like a long winded question of who inspires lyrics just everything really everything and then like in tracy emin's bed with the lyric i i saw you walking home with your marks and spencer's bag i thought the punks went to iceland i like i literally saw um or i thought i saw another kind of like well-known punk in colchester and essex walking home with marks and spencer's kind of like meal for two um which would have been fine. That's the thing. It's not. It's a, like there's nothing wrong with that at all. It turns out it wasn't him. But then um, there's a uh, yeah, there's a shop called. <laughs> it sounds so stupid <laughs> when I delve into it. Um, but yeah, there's a shop called Iceland, um, like in in the UK. I don't, I don't know if you're wearing them or not. The, but um, mm. they're a kind of just a like kind of crappy frozen food store. I love them, but they're like a crappy frozen food store, and they either used to have an advert or still have an advert that say that's why mums go to Iceland right. and like mums go to Iceland for all the great deals and stuff like that um but that um <laughs> so um that just came from something that just made me laugh and then I had to like I had to do this exact thing the other day where um for the label for the press release which is probably the thing that you got actually they were like saying can you write a bit kind of like dissecting your lyrics and stuff like that and and you were like no yeah, I tried so hard, but then it's just like some some of them are more meaningful. I think they're all meaningful, but then some of them are literally just kind of like little turns of phrases that just make me laugh as well, you know. The the great thing about um I thought the punks went to Iceland. So I mean there's two things for me, because like that no cultural context, and I know what Iceland is now and you know, I have for a little bit, but before you realize that it's a supermarket. <laughs> You're like the punks went to Iceland. What? What the fuck? Like, <laughs> like why wouldn't you want to go to Reykjavik? You know, like there is a sense of like, it just doesn't kind of doesn't make sense. But then on the flip side, once you get it, it's sort of awesomely scathing as well. You know, like yeah. not to read too much into it, but it's like when bands get called sellouts for touring in vans with seats. You know, like whatever it is, <laughs> yeah. it's, it just captures that whole like small-minded mentality so fucking well. But yeah, the Iceland thing like, tripped me up for a second because I always think Reykjavik, and then I'm like, no, wait a minute, it's a fucking supermarket. <laughs> That's so funny because I, I was. The thing is, you've got to remember, like Seb, when we were writing this, we thought we were only ever going to play it to our mates. Really, yeah. <laughs> you've got kind of like small groups of mates kind of around the country that come out to see us. But we thought so. We had um like delving like one level further into that. Um, we had someone tweet us from Germany the other day saying, um, really enjoying the new song. Um, I have to admit, I had to Google who Tracy Emin was because I didn't mm -hmm. know anything about Tracy Emin. But I was like, oh God, there's so many 
kind of cultural references that but the i think the iceland cultural reference is the definitely the deepest cut there which i never it is it's because we were right well we never considered an audience wider than like yeah literally the people of our hometown and a few people dotted around the country um but it's it's funny fair, i mean fair enough though like when I started this, the whole thing was supposed to be about like Scottish punks and, and, you know, punk in, in general mm. in the UK and all that kind of stuff. Right. Most of my listenership are from the U S and I'm, oh, I'm, really? I'm, I'm not really that cognizant of it. Cause I'm just like, fuck it. I'm going to do what I want. But it's funny when you look at the stats and it's like United States and you're like, holy shit, I wonder how much of this they sit there and go, what the fuck are they talking about? You know, yeah, there's kind so of a connection between like, you know, UK and New Zealand culturally, but the US mm. is like over there somewhere. And yeah, there's funny things, right? Like the Iceland thing or Tracy Emin and all and all that kind of shit that I just wonder how often it pop, pops up and has people like Googling it. Yeah, of course. Yeah. That's so weird. But yeah, I never thought This is I how Pitt never... needs crack America on the on this shitty podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. You never know. Well yeah. I, yeah. I wonder if there's any other cultural references. I don't know. I've got no idea. I've got no idea. <laughs> it's yeah. It's strange. I'll have to go through them all. Maybe, maybe I'll do a dictionary or something like that, where I can explain. That sounds <laughs> pretty fun. References. It's like um, that whole. I don't think it's a trend now, but when bands were doing like track by tracks, and like explaining mm. like where they went and, and all the songs. And I remember being a journal and because the thing I use the term journal like incredibly loosely, right? Like it's hobby journalism. So someone sends you a CD and you write about it. And cool. um, I remember like doing that and it was fine doing stuff in Asia pack and had this editor who was great. And was like, this is what you kind of want to talk about. Like it's less about how the song's constructed and more about how the album or the song fits into like the cultural context. Right. So like, if you look at someone like Max Calavera, who has like all these rabid fan bases, you know? And so anyway, I get this gig with alternative press. I have never told this story before. And I, I pitched them, and it took them months to reply and they come through. And by this, the time they've come back, I've completely dropped my like American style writing and gone hardcore into this sort of Asia pack UK thing. Mm -hmm. And it's like, we want you to go through and do a list of like Silverstein's top 10 songs and why they're like the best Silverstein songs. And so I go through and I'm talking, I'm not talking about how the song's constructed because I don't fucking know. I'm not a musician. And so I'm talking about right. how like this song's great because it got me through like this hard heartbreak or like oh, cool. this song's great because it covers up, you know, this part of the scene or whatever. And, and I just never heard from them again. <laughs> <laughs> oh what no way i'd love but that i'd love that kind of like personal that, like completely different um like approach to how you know to how mm. we kind of talk about things because it's like yeah it's not i mean it's not up to me as a non-musician to be like oh you know that pet needs song like it's you know i wouldn't have written the baseline like that i don't fucking know how to write a baseline <laughs> it's you know it's yeah. bullshit like it, it doesn't impress anybody you know yeah that's it. we've um come from we've got our, yeah so our label work with them uh, kind of like pre i'm still learning the back end of things at the moment yeah Bex, i want to talk to you about that with a uh, pr agency called sonic pr and stuff like that and it's their job to go out and get kind of like radio playing get all these kind of things and they've um said the other day they were like great news here's a list of all the people that are gonna um review the record and at the start we were like oh good this is great and then we're like Oh fuck! People might say we're shit. <laughs> What's gonna? Like we've never had that because like we've always played like 
again you when you start you're kind of like playing to your mates and kind of like building scenes like that kind of thing and then it's suddenly oh fuck we're opening ourselves up for criticism and stuff like that now mm. which is something that we've not really ever had to think about apart from the odd person in the local scene that goes oh these guys are wank or something like that um so that's a that's a kind of another thing that we've yeah we've got to prepare for you know yeah the, the wonder years wrote a song about that and there's this line in there it's like um what is it these self-righteous kids that only like the seven inch or something and this is when they're yeah. on like their second or third album and i think the funny thing about that is like us as and again journos very lightly we're mm. quite, like we're quite insulated but also none of us are trained in how to do like music criticism and none of us are paid mm. right we just get to talk to our favorite bands and we get free cds and concert tickets and that kind of shit. so you basically just learn from reading the stuff around you and unfortunately cool. most of it is shit but but that's what you pick up and man i've said some stuff about bands that like if i could go back now and like take it all back i would and thankfully a lot of it's in like street presses in new zealand that no one's ever gonna yeah. fucking read <laughs> but but yeah there's there's things like did you say it and you go oh yeah that's clearly like that's what i've read and that's you know important and you look at it with like five years distance and you just think you fucking moron like i would i i mean i don't even look to see if this podcast has reviews imagine that <laughs> yeah but then that, the other thing is that every single person in the world is entitled to an opinion and yeah but opinions can be wrong like right? everything as well that's the thing so like every like if someone doesn't like like what we do or anything like that that is genuinely absolutely fine i'd rather that than some someone say that um i'm a horrible person or i've upset someone <laughs> you know it, it like maybe um Maybe Marks and Spencers or Tracy Emin. Like that's the thing. Like I don't, like, I don't know. I, I even thought, oh fuck, is that going to upset Tracy Emin? I don't know. But then, to be honest, I don't, I don't care as much about upsetting her. Yeah, funny. Um, I think Ben Marwood's got more to answer to for for that before they come after you guys. I, mean, I thought I, I heard you talking <laughs> about that about Avril Lavigne. That's great. That again, another thing that I'd never considered. Um, the fact that, oh, could Tracy Emin sue for us using her name? Again, because it was never meant to be bigger than kind of like our mates in the kind of like local scene or the UK kind of underground kind of like um, venues and stuff like that. Um, so I feel very relieved that um, Avril Lavigne's people have not contacted him. Because yeah. that means hopefully Tracy Emin's people won't contact us. I mean, I'm sure the Labour would have flagged it if it was going to be a problem, right? <laughs> yeah, I reckon so. I reckon so. There's that famous Fallout Boy story where the label apparently went to them and were like, you know, your songs are too, your song titles are too long. And so they started taking the vowels out of their songs and the song titles. And that's how we got thanks for the memories. So, no way, really? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's great. So, you know, there's, there's like the backup, of course, is that you just take out the vowels of Tracy Emin and you're, you're fine. Perfect. Sorted. <laughs> Dude, thank you so much for coming and hanging out. It has been an absolute blast. Oh man, yeah, it's been lovely to hang out, man. Like it's it's literally the closest to going to the pub at the moment. Yeah, I know. We've even been I've been on the on the Glen Goyne, so loose lips sink ships and. You know. Nice, perfect. I've been having a a, a Tisky, which is one of my favourite beers. That sounds very um, European. It's a Polish beer. It's yeah, it's great. I went to I went to Poland. The price of that's just gone through the roof. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it's brilliant yeah nice actually there's one thing i want to ask you which i'm gonna i'm, I'm gonna edit in um mm. if you don't mind i was talking to the guys from carpal tunnel i don't know if you've heard of them they do like sort of 80s rock style they've just signed to pure noise 
they're all mm. like 20 which is weird because it makes me feel old as shit um and but they were saying that they reckon that every record label like contract should come with a therapist because you just get put into this world that you're completely like not prepared for <laughs> and you've sort of alluded to that before like, when you're talking about how like there's so much shit that you've got to learn do you, yeah, do yeah, you yeah. feel like is there some kind of connection there for that for you do you feel like that's a similar kind of sentiment um i think it's overwhelming at times but i think what is um what we've been really fortunate with is the fact that extra mile uh, just three people and they're the three loveliest people in the world so i genuinely when i've got a um friend who he, he's older than me i think he, like he's mid 40s maybe maybe pushing 50 i don't know. but um I've, I've got a friend that when we got and he's kind of like been a professional musician for um like his whole life um but in a cut kind of in the background like he like he would fill in on drums for the cure or he's played like guitar for adam man and stuff he plays with glenn matlock from from the sex pistols now um, so it's always been kind of like not session musician, but kind of, um, well, some session stuff. He played for the Spice Girls for a little while and stuff like that. Amazing. Yeah, I know. Cool, right? Um, he, he did the guitar part on Spice Up Your Life. Um, but I kind of like reached out to him and at the start and said, mate, I'm kind of freaking out a, a little bit here about everything, especially when we've got the contract through and it was like kind of like 40 pages long or something. And the... Um, and the label is saying you don't have to, but we recommend you get a music lawyer and all this kind of stuff. And I was like, oh fuck, okay, right, wow. Um, and also we let go, not artistically as such, but let go of kind of like control of different parts of it. And they're like, right, mm. this is released next March. And I was like, fuck, I don't want it to release it next week. Like we recorded it last week. Let's just get it out there, kind of thing. And it's like, so it's like all those kind of stuff where it was at the start, it was like, wow, there's a lot of readjusting, but then it's because it's their job to do it as a, like it's their job to sell it and stuff like that. And also they are just the best label in the world. Well, I've, I've got nothing to compare it to, but I would guess that they're the best label in the world to work they, with. They, they genuinely fucking sound like it though. Like, Oh, they're amazing. Yeah, they're, they're amazing people. So well. And um, same with Frank as well. He's been looking after us so well, kind of like shouting about us in interviews and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, it's Anthea and Danny and Charlie. Um, and then also Evan, he does that kind of like graphic design and stuff like that, um, who kind of isn't employed by, but works very, very closely with the label as well. And they're just amazing. It kind of like, it. I kind of feel like they've kind of legitimized what we've, done as well it's kind of like sudden but it's also then you have the panic of fuck we need to step up and be a professional band now because we've not been anywhere near before um or i don't know maybe we're selling ourselves short we, we had we had a bit of a following and stuff and played good gigs and stuff before but it's yeah i think i was never i, I never felt like anxious in the fact that we were going to get screwed over or anything like that i always had complete implicit trust mm. in them um, but then that's from being a fan of the label for years as well and understanding or at least thinking that I understood how they worked um, and their enthusiasm and professionalism and all that kind of stuff has just been um, amazing, amazing. And it's, it's it's still bizarre to have people kind of like talking about the tunes that we write in that way and in such a professional context and stuff like that. So I think that, um, yeah, I... I I don't know. It's a hard one. I think 
mentally it's been really overwhelming but if if, if i was ever going to be overwhelmed by any record label i'd want it to be extra mile mm. beautiful thank you man because they're so good <laughs> yeah i mean they they are right like i talked to a lot of extra mile bands and everyone loves extra and as a fan i love extra mile it's just yeah, I'm going to so hit cool. them up and just be like, you should listen to this podcast. It's 40 minutes about how much we love you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. Awesome, dude. Thank you so much. Have a good evening. Oh, you too, mate. Really good to see you. You too. See ya. So I've got to say that is probably listening back on it one of my absolute favorite episodes. There's so much cool stuff in there. Obviously about Extra Mile, Laura Jane Grace, about the guys coming up to Edinburgh here to play Fringe Festival. I mean, you know, it's all pie in the sky, but you can dream about those kinds of things. And you know, Johnny is such an awesome dude. I think one of the reasons that's such a good conversation is just feeling so open and candid about everything. It's a really great experience. Their new album, and it'll be their debut album, Fractured Party Music, is out on the 12th of March, so make sure you check that out. That's a little over two weeks away, depending on when you listen to this podcast. If you listen to it after the 12th of March, it's already out. You should already be all over it. If you're not, though, we've got Tracy Emmons' bed in full next, so you can get a good taster of that album. And I mean, look, it's an, it's an incredible record from a very cool band of people so make sure you check it out now next week we have someone pretty fucking cool on the podcast next week i am chatting with aaron paulie from of mice and men and he's going so far as to give me a little bit of life advice we're talking about being zen the impermanence of time and about how his legacy is being shaped by of mice and men the band he's coming up 10 years with that band and of course he took over as frontman after Austin Carlyle left. There are now two albums deep into that reign of Aaron as the frontman uh, plus the new EP which is coming out shortly so you'll definitely want to check back here next Saturday for that conversation. It's really really fucking good. This is Pet Needs Tracy Emmons Bed from their debut album fractured party music you're on the more than punk podcast and i think you're absolutely going to love this track i will catch you again next week in the meantime if you love this episode as much as i did leave a review send a tweet hit that like hit that subscribe button every little bit counts and i know i fucking know that everyone that has a podcast tells you to do that but hey i guess that means it works right
Yeah.